There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast with me, Alison Perry. It's so easy to look back at our own childhood through rose-tinted glasses, isn't it? But it wasn't always fun and games, and the same can be said for our kids today. One great change is how much more aware we are of mental health in our children. My guest today is an author and blogger who talks about how we can all help our kids to be more in touch with their emotional well-being. Becky Goddard-Hill is a former social worker and child development trainer who holds a postgraduate diploma in psychotherapy and is a certified life coach. So basically, she really knows her stuff. Her latest book, Create Your Own Calm, sets kids on a path to becoming emotionally resilient and helps them to take practical, positive steps towards being calm and happy which is something that is more needed than ever in 2020, right? During our chat, Becky offers up loads of practical advice on how we can help our children manage feelings of stress and anxiety and how to get a sense of balance in their lives. I found our chat so helpful, so hopefully it'll be just as useful to you. Welcome, Becky. How are you doing? What's the day been like for you so far? Today has been lovely, actually. Really relaxed. My kids got up and sorted themselves out of school completely. That's amazing. How old are they again? How old are they? They're a bit older, aren't they? Yes, they are. They're 13 and 16 now. Wow. And my, my son's just started his A-levels. And they both got really independent over the last year. And actually, I'm feeling a little bit unloved and unnecessary oh, no. in their lives. And I actually begged them to spend time with me. Oh, Becky, because there's, yeah. me, there's me thinking, well, that's what we've got to look forward to. Anyone listening who has, you know, got younger children and you just feel run ragged that, you know, look forward to what Becky's experiencing. But no, are you feeling a little bit redundant? I feel a bit like they've gone before they've gone. So I know I've got about a year and a half before my son leaves home and goes off to university. And he's making those steps already, making independent decisions, managing himself and mainly wanting to spend time with his peers, you know. Which is brilliant. I mean, It is fantastic. It's Let's be honest, because you need them to make those yep. steps. You can't just have them being under no. your wing and then age 18, out the door, unprepared. You know, you need them to be mentally 
ready and emotionally ready. But absolutely, that's tough, right? Well, what's it's got so bad, Alison, that I've actually been begging him to play Mario Karts with me, trying to entice <laughs> him in with his favourite things. Oh my goodness, that's still going to be me yeah. in a few years. But time. no, it is lovely to see them fly. And my daughter, who's thirty, has just really flown since she's been at secondary school and she's loving going out and being more independent and unfortunately lockdown has put a bit of a stop to that but walking to school with a friend so I have no school run anymore or anything like that it's all really changed life has for me it's interesting isn't it because like with parenting so much of your life revolves around the school run and yeah. all of that, the kind of rituals, whether it is getting them up, getting them dressed, doing their packed lunch, all of that stuff. And then, yeah, when you don't have to do it anymore, that must be kind of odd. It is kind of odd and a little bit scary because I feel like a new phase of my life is opening up and I'm not 100% sure what to what to do with that space. But you're doing yeah. so much. I mean, yes. you know... <laughs> recently you've been fairly busy you know you've you've written and co-written um a number of books and you know you how many blogs do you edit becky uh, well i have got 12 blogs <laughs> i can see i can see why you're struggling to think about what to do with your time i know but only seven of them are very like active and i have my own little podcast and Social media and my books, yes. So, well, yeah, keep myself busy, twiddling yeah. your thumbs, just sat yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, twenty twenty. I think it's fair to say twenty twenty has been a bit of a year for us yes. all. Um, and your parents have been juggling a lot more, and children have had to deal with a lot. So, it kind of feels like the perfect time for your latest book, "Create Your Own Calm," to come out, doesn't it? Yes, definitely. I think they, they've done quite a lot of research on the impact of children of lockdown. And actually, interestingly, children under 13 were largely seen to have been less stressed than people imagined they would have been. But when it came to going back to school, after months and months at home and things being very sort of sheltered from the world, kids were seen to experience a great deal of stress that return to normality that wasn't normal was very, very hard for mm. kids. And for teens, the impact of lockdown itself was really hard because, of course, they do like to spend their time with their peers, starting to be more independent and out in the world, and all that was taken away from them. So on the whole, it's been very stressful. Yeah. And for parents, a huge juggle for parents. I mean, yeah, when we just think back to the last few months and what a lot of parents have been juggling, as well as financial stress and worry and all of that, you know, grown-up stuff. Um, yeah, we've been we've been juggling a lot. Um, there, there, there have definitely been mixed reports, haven't there, on yes. the, the impact that this has had on kids. Yeah. And it, it must vary so much from child to child based on how resilient they are and, I guess, how much access to the news they have and what their friends are saying and all of that kind of stuff. Yes, definitely. And what their previous mental health was like, what their coping mechanisms are like. And how robust they are, really, because, of course, all children are very different in terms of their resilience. And that was the purpose, really, of Create Your Own Calm, was to give children the tools they needed in order to cope, to manage their feelings of anxiety and their fears, and to just become a little bit more robust and a little bit more resilient. Because we can't change the world, 
but we can change how we think about it and how well we deal with what we feel. So it's really an activity book packed with tools to help kids become more robust and to have stronger emotional health so that when things like this happen, their coping skills are are more in place. Now, you mentioned resilience, which I think is a word that we've heard so much of this year, you know, in so many different contexts. Um, And it's definitely something that we need to build in ourselves as well as our children. What kind of exercises do you have in the book that can help parents build that in their kids? Well, the book's very much for the kids to do themselves. So the idea is that they work through it. But we do encourage parents to also, if their child wants them to, take part in the same activities. Because these skills are lifelong skills. Things like managing your own physical health and well-being, making sure you sleep, eat and exercise. Because when those absolute basics are in place, we can deal with other things so much better. Um, as you, you probably know, being a parent to very young children, if you don't get your sleep, everything is so much harder. Yeah. And that's across the board with teenagers, with parents and with younger children. So so a lot of the book focuses on the very basics, like having a good sleep routine, making sure you do lots of activities that you love, looking after yourself through the food you eat. Because there's certain food that can make you feel calmer too. You know, it's got certain properties in it. And it's encouraging kids to take really good care of themselves physically. That's such a good thing to be teaching kids. It's actually it's actually something that I've only learned really like myself this year. I think that, you know, a lot of this stuff that we're trying to teach our kids, we're always just learning as, as adults, aren't we? Absolutely, absolutely. The um, There's a real focus on self-kindness in the book, um, looking after yourself. And I think a lot of people, particularly women, have took years and years to learn that unless they do that, everything else really doesn't work, yeah. you know. And so we want kids to learn these things young. So when they hit their tricky teens, they've got all these things in place. They know that if they're having a hard time, rather than give themselves the hard time too, they give themselves masses of TLC to cope with what's going on. So there's lots of activities in the book for children to, to do that. So we encourage them to bake to make lavender play-doh to get all their senses relaxed and calm and gain this understanding that if they take care of their body their mind will calm down and clear too so there's a real link to sensory stuff and physical stuff in the book so a bit of yoga lots of lovely breathing exercises that are all really fun too and a real look at how things like water can make you feel calm you know and cloud watching and just really looking after your mind and body to help it be clearer because what what they found scientists have recently is that if your mind is clear and calm you're actually 20% more intelligent isn't that interesting wow yeah 20% more intelligent so then you make better choices and it goes to follow doesn't it if your if your brain is calm you can focus on the issue at hand if you're feeling frenzied and irritated and agitated, you're panicking and you can't think clearly. So we don't make good decisions. So what it's teaching kids is that if they calm down first, then their problem solving skills will be better, that they won't get into so many arguments. They won't get so angry. So just pausing and doing a little calm down exercise will make all the difference to their intelligence. Yeah. 
That is so fascinating to hear because um, I was walking my 10-year-old to school this morning and she just happened to drop into conversation that um, her teacher every morning recently has been doing a meditation exercise with them at the start of every day. And I was like, oh, "Oh, that's good. That's really, really good. But listening to you now, I'm like, yes, that is brilliant because they're going to be more intelligent and they're going to make better decisions. Yeah. (laughs) I listened to an amazing TED Talk recently about exams and it said that they'd done this experiment with kids and they got some of them to say before they went in the exam that they were excited. Now, these kids were saying, but we're not excited. And they said, no, just say it. Say it because your brain will at least half believe it. Say you're excited to show what you know in this exam. And the other half of the kids were going, oh, I'm scared, I'm nervous. The kids that they were said they were excited did huge amounts better. They're like 15% better in their results. Wow. Because... The brain believing that it was excited about showing what they know, calmed down, knew what was going on and was able to focus. The brain that was saying, I'm anxious, I'm scared, was dashing about trying to figure out what was wrong and what there was to worry about. So just by changing our thoughts, we can massively change our behaviour because we have control over our mm, thoughts. Yeah, we do. You know? That also reminds me of, have you seen the TED Talk by Amy Cuddy? And she talks about doing a warrior pose, I think she calls it. So before going into like a job interview, it's all to do with like body language and how it affects our own body chemistry and our brains. Yeah. It's a really good one to watch if you haven't watched it, but it kind of has like the kind of similar themes. Yes, definitely. You know, and I want, I want for all these books, kids to realise that they are in control of one thing and that is how they think. You can't always be in control of your feelings. Feelings wash over us, don't they? But if we change our thoughts, we often change our feelings so a section of the book looks at faulty thinking and faulty thinking is something I'm massively interested in I actually work as a therapist for action for children and what I use is CBT and it's all about teaching the kids that I coach that if they change their thoughts they can change their feelings which changes their behavior so for example if they're frightened of dogs and they're thinking oh if I go to the park there might be lots and lots of dogs and they're going to bark at me and they might chase me. That's their thoughts. Their feelings will be scared and fearful and their behaviour will be they'll probably avoid going to the park or if they do go, they'll probably really have an unhappy time. But if they change that thought too, well, I've been to the park before and no dog ever chased me or they think, well, I'm going to the park with my parents and they'll protect me if there's a problem. Or if they think to themselves, I could run if there's a problem or shout or get help, then they probably feel more confident. So when they go to the park, they'll have a better time. So nothing has changed but their thought, but it impacts their feelings and behaviour. And if kids can understand that, that just by saying to unhelpful thoughts, hey, shush, and they purposely pull in a helpful thought, like I can cope or I can get help, then the rest all falls into place. Yeah. That's that's yeah. fascinating. And yeah, and again, something that, that we should we could probably do more of as well. <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. We need to tell those unhelpful thoughts to shush and purposely pull in a helpful thought, something that makes us feel better, rather than waiting for someone else to give it to us. Because you know what it's like? If a friend says to you, you can do this, Alison, you've done it before, remember? You'll go, oh yeah. But we need to do that for ourselves because other people aren't always around to cheer us on, are they? That's so true. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And we didn't have any of this talk when we were kids. No. You know, growing up, this this sort of stuff just wasn't discussed. And we weren't giving the same coping sort of strategies and mechanisms that we are trying to offer our children. How did we get to where we are today in one piece? I don't know, really. But I think what we did have instead was often we had extended families, didn't we? that were around to support us. We didn't live far away from our relatives like many of us do today in small nuclear groups that, that don't have that external support. We also had, I think, Alison, an absence of social media so and true. connectivity because I think being connected all the time to what your friends are doing or what's going on in the world means our poor brains are bombarded with information, comparison, stress, pressure and expectations. And we had rest from that, didn't we? We went home and we'd perhaps just play with the kid next door on the street for a few hours and, you know, read a book or help out in the kitchen or, you know, go out into the garden with our granddads. It was very different. And we had a lot of calm in our lives anyway, I think, that kids don't have today. And we all need a rest from that constant bombardment of information and pressure. We do, we do. Um, I mean, how much do you think screens and social media are affecting kids' well-being? I mean, I'm at a stage with my eldest where um, she will next year probably be starting to walk to primary school on her own. And so it would make sense for her to have a mobile phone just for safety. Now, I've already told her, you're not getting a smartphone. You're getting something that will call me, text me, that is it. And she is not happy. She's so annoyed with me. She's like, but how will I watch things and how will I chat to my friends? Um, but I kind of feel quite strongly on this. And yeah. I think that 10 or 11, as she will be, is too young to suddenly have this smartphone in your pocket. But am I being overprotective, do you think? I'm the queen of overprotectiveness <laughs> when it comes to social media. My kids didn't have any social media till they were 13. On the day, that was it. And I monitored it. And I think, Alison, you probably feel like that because you know how it works. And I think it was the same with me. I was fully aware that kids can use Instagram to search for things, you know. And they do use Instagram to search for things. And, you know, parents that said to me, well, my son has a private account and he's nine. And I said, yeah, but he can still search for porn if he wants to. But people weren't aware that you could do that. So I think perhaps our knowledge makes us very protective 
about that because we use social media in our work. But I also think these things come in time. And unless you are mature, social media can be a very tricky thing to handle. And I think even if you are mature in your thinking, it can be a tricky thing to handle. And I think the pressures in regard to body image and, I don't know, experimentation and celebrity following, they are big pressures on impressionable young minds. So I don't think there's anything wrong with waiting. I think by the time they get to secondary school, if they can't keep up with their friends, they do feel out the loop, Yeah. you know. But I think in terms of, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat and all that, that can all wait until they're ready. Because actually some really unpleasant things can go on between kids on there and, and they don't always think it through. You don't want your child exposed to any of that until they've got the coping mechanisms in place. And even offline, friendship issues can be a huge huge thing oh my goodness they can from like i mean i don't know about boys because i've never parented a boy but from chatting to like my mum friends it seems to hit girls younger and i know that probably from about age seven my daughter was having friendship issues even just silly things like oh so and so doesn't want to play with me you know at lunchtime anymore and that kind of almost like power power battle thing going on in the playground it's really hard isn't it absolutely and i don't know a parent that wouldn't say that actually that they're Girls in particular have had friendship issues right from the middle of primary school, really. And we really need to teach our kids to be good friends, don't we, to each other. I um, always start, when I, when I work with kids around friendship, I always get them to start with themselves and have a really good think about what kind of friend they are. And then try and put that into a series of words that they, that they really think they give in their friendship like loyalty and kindness and encouragement and to really think of their friendship as a gift that they give to people and then try and make friends with other children who have those same qualities you know rather than wanting to be friends with the kid that's popular you know trying to really encourage them to look for kids to be friends with that know how to be a good friend because it makes such a difference to your whole life doesn't it having good friends not the popular friends or the or the friends that necessarily share the same interests but people who know how to cheer you on mop up your tears be there for you never exclude you those kind of people i think what our kids do sometimes is they keep trying with friendships that aren't healthy and they need to be absolutely on the lookout for good friendships and to make sure they're being a good friend too it can also be a bit of a minefield for parents as well because you know, whether you choose to have that conversation with a parent and kind of tackle issues and conversations that have happened or do you let them kind of just sort it out between them at school where you don't really know what's what's being said and you're not there to help guide your kids. It, yeah. it, can, it can be very awkward for parents, can't it? Oh, it really can, Alison. And I've made some real mistakes in the past <laughs> thinking that that other parent would want to know their child had been evil to mine and sort it out. <laughs> Nobody ever ever in my experience believes their child's in the wrong and i think i i find myself in the past going the other way but i find myself um you know if my daughter had come home from school and said this happened this happened i have found myself being guilty of assuming that my child is in the wrong and isn't telling me the full story and ah. then when I've had a conversation with the other parent, I'm almost like going in apologetically, like saying, I'm really sorry. You know, she said that this happened, but I'm sure that isn't the case because I know what she's like. And and then afterwards, I've 
kind of had a word with myself and thought, <laughs> that's not good because you you weren't believing her. You weren't being supportive. You were thinking the worst of her. And yeah. I've had to really kind of like talk myself around to be more supportive and yeah. be on her side. It can be very difficult because like you say, you're not there, are you? And our children, I think it's really important. Remember, aren't perfect. So sometimes it will be their fault but mostly I think it's misunderstandings Mm. and like you say a sense of power battles everyone wants to be popular and well liked you know and they will often tread on other people in order to get there and we see this in adult life too don't we and if we can teach kids that the way they rise is by lifting others I think that is like the most important thing I've ever ever I hope imparted to my kids that the way you feel good is by helping other people feel good. You take people with you, yeah. you know, and, and if they can just learn that and learn to work as a team, I think they'll they'll get there. But that can take quite a lot of years. In my experience, it seems to be about third year of secondary school, <laughs> the friendship issues really kind of stop. And I saw this with my nieces and with my daughter in that she's now found her tribe. The kind of girls who have got the same values as her, and who all look out for each other and are very kind to each other and want the best for each other. And it's a really lovely, healthy friendship group now. But it took quite a while to find people who had the same sort of values. That's so reassuring to hear. So if anyone listening is, you know, their kids are having friendship issues, it, it, it you know, the, the end is in sight. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that was because, Alison, by, by about 13... My daughter kind of knew who she was. And my niece, who's now 20, I talked to her about this. And she said the same. She said she no longer felt at 13 that she had to look identical to everyone else or say the same stuff or pretend she was interested in the same thing. She could be more of an individual. And in being more of an individual, she was able to find the right kind of friends for her rather than just following the crowd. Yeah, yeah, that's so yeah. interesting. When I think back to my my teenage years, it was definitely that feeling, that shift of... Yeah, like you say, wanting to be the same as everybody else. Yes. To actually, I want to be different. I want to be independent. Yeah. I want to do my own thing and yeah. have my own image. And even though you were actually very similar to a smaller group of people. Yes, you know, that's true. Like, yeah. For me, it was like Doc Martens, tie-dye, like that whole 90s thing. And I, I, yeah. I felt very different and very cool, even though I actually wasn't. <laughs> you, you see, I'm quite a bit older than you and I was all into Madonna I thought I want, uh, you know, I thought I had to have like handkerchiefs in my hair and long black coat. <laughs> I would love to see photographs, Becky. <laughs> oh, no, it's not good. It's not a good look. I was going to say last year, age 12, my daughter decided to become vegan and um, out the blue. We're all vegetarian. They've been raised vegetarian. They don't wear leather. And, you know, so it's always been part of our life. But she suddenly went, I'm going to be vegan. None of her friends were vegan. We're like, OK, I'm no cook, Alice. And I was like, oh, dear. But... This weekend, we celebrated a year of her being vegan mm. with a surprise party for her. It was very exciting and uh, made a little bit of a fuss of her. And I just think that's a real sign of her having learned what matters to her and having the commitment and conviction to see it through. We're very proud of her for oh, that. I yeah. bet you are. I bet you yeah. are. Um, now, as our kids get older, like probably when they kind of start heading towards secondary school and into secondary school, the, the pressure gets built when it comes to schoolwork yes. and exams and homework. It can be tricky, can't it, to strike that balance between encouraging them to work hard but not pushing too much pressure on. What yes. advice do you have around that? I think really importantly that they realise it's not endless. 
that so they have like a timetable for because sometimes kids sit down to do their homework and they want it to be perfect and they will spend hours on it and before they realize it it's almost bedtime and all they've done since they got in from school was work well, we we wouldn't do that on a healthy day you know so putting some boundaries around it I think so if she's got to revise for exam having a timetable for it and making it really clear that there is time in that evening for lovely stuff too for some creativity for some relaxing for a bit of exercise some one-on-one time with you and for having fun so there's a balance in life because I do think it can get too too much and also to try and help them see that they don't have to get perfect marks. It really is okay to do okay, you know, and that your expectation is that they try their best, but that the rest of their life is really balanced too and that that's as, as important to you as is their studying and their results. Because sometimes the whole focus can be on achieving those results rather than making sure that your mental health is sound, you're getting enough sleep, you're exercising, you're seeing your friends. So really praising and valuing those things too. And and like letting it be known like, I'm so glad you rang your grandma tonight. It was so lovely for her. You know, what are you going to do to relax tonight? And letting them know that you value those elements of their life too. And then they will hopefully pick up on that. And if you can talk about your school days and the pressure you felt and how you wish you'd known it wasn't everything to get, amazing results and that what's most important is that the balance in your life and let them hear you talk about that too yeah and um, what would you say to um, parents who perhaps struggle to get their kids to open up so you know that we've all been there where we've kind of you know been coming home from school and we've said how was your day and they just give you one word answers yeah. or shrug you know what what tips have you got for um you know, encouraging our kids to talk about their day and chat about what they've been up to? Well, it can be difficult, but I used to be a social worker, so I have got quite a few tips on getting kids to talk. And my my favourite tip is to get them in the car with you or get them walking with you where they can't go anywhere. And after a while, they will start to talk. It's amazing. I used to purposely drive kids the long way back to the children's home, so eventually they would talk to me. I think we expect kids to answer us when we've got five minutes to spare. So we ask them as they come in, they give us a one-word answer, we crack on with something else. But if we say to them, do you want to bake some cakes tonight or do you fancy making some Play-Doh? And they are sat with us for a length of time and they start to relax. That's when the conversations will often happen. And we can ask them better questions than how was your day? We can say, hey, what made you laugh at school today? You know, or... Oh, do you know, I, I went for a walk with my friend so-and-so today. Who did you hang out with at break? And just, just ask some specific questions where they have to give you an answer rather than, uh, it was okay. And then they can expand on those conversations. So really ask for a bit of detail, but share your stuff too and provide opportunities for them to talk and relax and be with you. And if they don't want to talk straight away, that's probably fine. They're probably processing what happened or having some space from it yeah I, I remember making some comment on instagram a while back about how my daughter would give one word answers when she came home from school and then um as i was tucking her into bed she would suddenly be like well this yeah. happened blah, 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 blah. yeah yeah and the part that somebody commented saying 
well, that's because they've had time to process what's going on. And I'm like, oh, am I su- I'm such a bad parent because my instinct is, well, she's clearly just trying to stall bedtime. She's trying to, you know, <laughs> stay up for longer and push back <laughs> bedtime by suddenly telling me every little detail of her day. There might be a bit of that in there too. My daughter <laughs> tends to go to bed and then reappear at the door 20 minutes later going, oh, I didn't tell you about what happened today. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> You're there with your cup of tea, your feet up, watching yeah. the telly. You just want to, just want to switch off. <laughs> yeah. But I, I found if I do something like help us blow dry our hair or, and we're just sat relaxing and I don't put the TV on, but I perhaps put some music on, then she'll often start to talk. That's such a good, you know? that's such yeah. a good tip. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah. Becky, listen, you have been a joy to talk to. Thank you oh. so much for your time. I feel like I've kind of like extracted all this wisdom and knowledge <laughs> out I of you. I could talk to you all day, look. <laughs> I could talk to you all day. Thank you so much. So um, your latest book, Create Your Own Calm, is available now. Um, yes. But where can people find you online? You don't have to list all 12 of your blogs, but where no. where can people find you online? Okay, I've got, I think the most relevant blog I've got is called EmotionallyHealthyKids.com. And I discuss things like how to help your kids with anger issues or with fear or if they say they're bored or with friendship issues, things like that. And I also answer readers' questions if they send them in to me. I've seen so, that. That's so good. It's like a, an agony aunt type thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love, that would be my dream job, you know, <laughs> to be an agony aunt. So I just did it myself on my blog. So that's your blog. And then on um, social media, where can we find you? Yeah, so on Instagram, I'm at Emotionally Healthy Kids. And on Twitter, I'm at Becky Goddard H, I think. Yes. <laughs> I can't remember where I am, Alison. I'm everywhere. <laughs> you link to all your site, all your social sites from your blog. So yes, head to the blog and we can find you from there. Yes, definitely. Becky, thank you so much. It's been brilliant to chat. Really lovely to talk to you too, Alison. I hope you have a lovely day. You too. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.